maniacs do. Positive thoughts and positive deeds. These are the things that make you succeed. Always be good to your family and friends. They're the only ones that'll be there in the end. Hello and welcome to another Camel Clutch Cinema. This is the program where we talk about movies that either have wrestlers in them or wrestling in them. I'm here as always with Mr. Craig Cohen. Craig, how are you this evening? I am great. I have my big foam finger and I'm ready to go. (laughs) This is a special episode. What we're doing today is we're going to cover three Hulk Hogan cameos that he did in movies. So these aren't movies where he's in them for more than a scene. So we'll just cover them all together in one big lump sum here. Uh, The movies we're going to be covering are Gremlins 2, A New Batch. Um, We're going to cover Spy Hard. And we're going to cover Muppets from Space. So... This should be very exciting. Let's uh, let's start off by talking about Hulk Hogan. You know, there's a generation of wrestling fans now that did not grow up with him. And it is interesting to me that there's kids that were born during the Attitude Era or later that barely know who this guy is. Yeah, they just know him as the, the old dude on those um, Rent-A-Center commercials. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's, it's very important to try to remember his point in, in wrestling history. Uh, if you go back to the 1970s, he started out, he was a, he was a bad guy. He was a a very hairy man. He had like a hairy (laughs) back, hairy chest. And he was, he was managed by classy Freddie Blass. He had a character that was probably closer to the NWO character than it was to the character that he played, you know, for much of the 1980s. And I mean, he was, he was a heel. He was full of himself. He was very much like the character that he played in Rocky three. Yeah. Was he using the, the Hulk name at that point, or was he, did he start out with that Terry Boulder name? He did start Terry Boulder, but he went to the Hulk pretty quick. And I, I, from what I understand, at some point early on, Vince said, you know, we're, we're going to have to pay them some money if we don't come up with some kind of a deal. And so he came up with, with that deal with Marvel that, you know, that he would use the, the incredible Hulk Hogan name. And then, and now, uh, finally Hulk Hogan just paid Marvel, you know, some fee and they, they now have completely given up on any ownership of his name. But wasn't it weird in the 1980s? You'd watch like a WWE show and then at the end it'd be like copyright Titan Sports, Marvel, you know, Marvel Incorporated owns the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting. There's also, I, I Googled this. I don't know that much about it, but apparently, um, there's a character in the, Marvel Universe that is named Hulk Hogan that predates Hulk Hogan. <laughs> so weird. And it's like an old West guy. And uh I don't know much about him. I think he only appears in, you know, a panel or two and something. Because he's on like the the Wikipedia of Marvel characters. Uh, okay. But I don't know anything about him. He was in the old West. His name was Hulk Hogan. I also know that in the very first Spider-Man, the famous, you know, scene that, you know, we see in the movie with Macho Man Randy Savage, the character was not Buzzsaw. It was Crusher Hogan. Yes. <laughs> which blows my mind. I mean, I don't know if if maybe Hogan was a real big comic book fan and he was like, you know, I'm going to put Incredible Hulk together with the wrestler from Spider-Man. You know, maybe that was the deal. I don't I don't know. But it, it's it's interesting to read about. Yeah. yeah. And if memory serves and I I, I didn't do my research here. I believe um, there's another Marvel Universe character named with the last name Hogan as well. I want to say 
it's possibly the the limo driver that John Favreau plays in Iron Man. You know, I, I I'm almost positive you're right about that. John Favreau's character's name is Hogan in Iron Man. I yeah. think they call him like Hoagie. I think so. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know, man. Somebody, I, I, I guess at some point that was a, a a popular name. And then we also even in the eighties we had uh, after after Valerie Harper left her show, they had uh, the Hogan family. I always, as a kid, was like, I remember I saw that the first time I saw that in like the TV guy, and I was like, oh my god! And I really pictured in my mind Hogan knows best, you know, circa nineteen eighty two, and I just couldn't <laughs> wait to see it. Uh, but no, Hulk Hogan started out in the 70s, competed in AWA, was a giant star, mm-hmm. and then went over to the WWF, I believe, first. He wrestled on the undercard of the, of the Andre Chuck Wepner match that, you know, that happened at, uh, uh, I believe Yankee Stadium or, yeah. or Shea, Sta- Shea Stadium. And, mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was, he was a big name and then he wanted to do Rocky three and Vince McMahon senior, uh, which actually is, is, uh, is Vincent, uh, J McMahon because the current one's K McMahon. So technically yeah. he's not senior, but the, the older Vince McMahon said, look, you can't go do this movie. So he had to leave the WWF to go do the movie <laughs> and it worked out great for him. It, it became yeah. one of those things that as you were a wrestling fan in 85, when WrestleMania became you know, really big. You said, Oh my God, that's that guy that was in Rocky three. You know, it was as a little kid, it was one of those things that, you know, two years ago was so far in the past or three years, you know, before where you're trying to think to 1982, but you had this memory of this character and then you'd rent the video and you'd be like, Oh my God, that's Hulk Hogan calling, you know, Rocky, the ultimate meatball. Yes. (laughs) So this was Hulk Hogan. And, uh, in 1990, when Gremlins 2, the new batch came out, he was a huge, huge star in the WWE. This was, he started 85, he had already been champ, had beat Iron Sheik in 84, 85 had WrestleMania, WrestleMania 2 was the next year, then 87, we got the big match with Andre, and that's when he blew up. I mean, he was huge, and by the time 1990 rolled around, Hulk Hogan, you know, Macho Man was also very big, but Hogan was bigger than the business. Oh, yeah. Did you ever see Gremlins 2, the new batch, when it was in theaters? Yes, I actually did see it in theaters. I saw it in a theater that is actually still in operation today, but it is extremely different. When I saw Gremlins 2, the new batch, uh, it was a, a, a duplex. Do you call movie theaters duplexes? Oh, yeah, it, I guess you would. It, yeah, no, it, uh, it had two screens. Because mm-hmm. um, you call them triplex. Yeah. Duplex so it, sounds weird, but triplex sounds yeah. right. So, yes, it, was, it would uh-huh. be a duplex. Um, and today it actually is now, um, I think, a, a, a 12 screen cinema mm-hmm. in the same amount of real estate in a mall. Right, right. Well, I saw this in the theaters. I saw this at the Quaker Bridge Mall 4. You know, this was the AMC 4 at the Quaker Bridge Mall in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. And I to jump ahead, I hope by now you've you've seen this movie or if not, have, have sought out the, the scene that we're going to watch of Hulk Hogan. But I will just tell you that after it ended, I turned to my friend Nelson, who was not a wrestling fan, and I said, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And he goes, that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in a movie. And so I, I'm not sure I agree with either of us today, but uh, but that is it. So this came out June 1990. The Gremlins were back, and this was quite a few years after the first Gremlins movie. And this one felt like a parody. When you watch it now, it feels like they're just, just – it's a goof. 
Yeah, it almost has the same kind of approach that like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 took where they mm-hmm. were like the the first one's the serious take and then you know the the sequel we're going to we're going to do all the crazy stuff that we might have wanted to do in the first movie. Right. We'll hit all the notes and uh there you have. So it says the gremlins are back and this time they've taken over control of a building of a media mogul. This was this clamp character who was like the Donald Trump character who, you know, Billy went to go work for him and he brought Gizmo with him and, you know, hilarity ensues and the gremlins turn into vegetables at one point. They're, they're bred in different ways. And then they have a scene where the gremlins take over the projector of the film and the film breaks down and we get the scene with Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. So let's take a look at it now. It is currently on YouTube. So go to YouTube, pull up Hulk Hogan in Gremlins 2. That's the title, and, and uh, it's a 54-second clip, and you can watch it with us. I'll take care of this. We have Gremlins in the Gremlins in this theater now. Okay, you guys, listen up. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Do I have to come up there myself? Do you think the Grimsters can stand up to the Hulkster? Well, if I were you, I'd run the rest of Gremlins too right now. Sorry, folks. It won't happen again. All right, so there it is. So so basically, the film's interrupted. We go to, to the director. Isn't that the director of Death Wraith 2000? Yeah, the late Paul Bartell. Wow. So you go to Paul Bartell. He's he's in the lobby of the theater and they're they're doing a play on on the Tingler where, you know, they you get to see the theater within the movie. And in this case, we go out to the lobby. We see Paul Bartell and they're like, hey, the gremlins have taken over the movie. And he goes in and the gremlins have put on. A bathing beauties short from the 1950s. They, the gremlins are really into watching the ladies jump in and out of the swimming pool. So this is interesting. Uh, they put that up. He comes over and there's Hulk Hogan and he's wearing his Hulk rules bandana, his Hulk rules shirt, his, his WWF title belt. And he's got the wrist tape on like he's ready for a match. Yeah, I guess he just walked around at that time ready to defend the title 24-7 like the uh, the hardcore title. That's crazy. So he stands up and he's got his, his popcorn and his soda. And he he turns around and you Gremsters. And then he, he squeezes the popcorn, squeezes the soda, gets everything everywhere. I mean, I would hate to be sitting around him. Then he rips the shirt off <laughs> and he sits back down. Yeah, and surprisingly, and and not to say that Hogan wasn't a great talker because he was, but he does this in in what looks like it was possibly one in uh, uninterrupted uh, take with a quick break uh, for a Paul Bartel reaction shot. Right, but there isn't a lot of cutting here. Yeah, no, it, that you're absolutely right. So this is a weird scene, uh, and then they cut back to the movie. Very odd, very strange, you know, that they chose to do this. A neat little gag. Um, the director of Gremlins said that this was one of his favorite gags in the film, that he really, Joe Dante, really liked this. Mm-hmm. And when this came out on home video, I remember I put it in, I watched it, 
And all of a sudden, that scene's not in there. Yeah. They replaced it with a scene of John Wayne fighting against the gremlins. Yeah, and I guess the, the rationale was you weren't watching it in a theater anymore? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that was, you know, that was why they were taking away the gag of you watching it with a theater. So, instead, your videotape would go, woo, 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 and static lines would come up. And you'd get this really bad John Wayne impression, which was done by, apparently, Chad Everett, the actor who passed away earlier this year. Okay. And I don't know. It says that John Wayne's son, Patrick Wayne, picked him out, said that he does a great John Wayne. I had always thought that this was the worst John Wayne I had ever heard. It was really, hey, you gremlins, I'm yeah. going to come over there. I mean, it was so, you know, the, it was such slock and parody of what John Wayne really did. Uh, yeah. But- I, I mean, at that point, why not just call up Kurt Russell and see if he's game? Because he does a pretty good John Wayne. Where have you heard Kurt Russell do John Wayne? Well, in Big Trouble in Little China, he's he's channeling uh, John Wayne. <laughs> he's not doing John Wayne. You're but, absolutely right. You know, you, you, you know, you bring in Kurt Russell, and I think the this, this scene would work so much better. Yeah. So when the DVD came out, they put that back in. So you do get to see that on the DVD, the John Wayne scene as a bonus. I did find a fan-made scene. Apparently, when they put the DVD out, they didn't consult with Joe Dante about doing another scene for DVD. And they just went with the Hulk Hogan version. They were like, we'll put the theatrical version on the disc, and then we'll put a bonus feature. We'll put the other scene. And so Joe Dante said, well, I guess they didn't have any money for it. So some fan went ahead and said, well, I'm going to see what I can do with no money. And for $3,000, made an amazing, amazing you know, version of what would happen if the DVD was interrupted by the Gremlins. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it basically... The DVD starts, you know, freezing up and pixelating, and then the Gremlins take over. You know, they they go through uh, the bat, they go through Batman, they go through Goonies, they go through Indiana Jones. So they they pick out a bunch of different movies and they interact with all of them, and uh, and then at the end, you know, they're basically uh, you know forced to go back into the disc, I guess, so you can watch the Gremlins. Yeah. But regardless, that's what they did. And it, it's a neat little fan scene. It's long. It's like seven or eight minutes long, which I guess this guy wanted to submit it to festivals and I guess didn't want to put out, you know, a, a, a one minute clip like Hulk Hogan had. But uh, sure. it is worth seeking out. It is online somewhere. Craig, what was happening at this time in the WWF? Well, a couple of weeks before um, Gremlins 2, the new batch came out, we had a Saturday night's main event. We actually had one slightly before and one after. Uh, the first one was Saturday night's main event number 26, the Tussle in Texas, and it took place in Austin, Texas on April 28, 1990. Let's not pass by the Tussle in Texas without bowing to that incredible <laughs> title for that episode of Saturday night's main event. Yeah, that almost feels like they were riffing on WCW there. <laughs> I got to tell you, I the, these titles, they do have them, and I've collected a lot of the old episodes, and you do see the title. But I think back then the only way you would have known the title is if you looked in your TV guide. I think they would have, like, sometimes even an ad with like Jesse and Vince and you know and Hulk Hogan in the in a little box and it would say you know the tussle in Texas but I think that the majority of viewers didn't know that yeah yeah I, actually it's funny a lot of tv shows are still like that mm-hmm. yeah they, they have, have like, the title you know and a lot of times they work real hard on that like Simpsons or whatever yeah so what happened on the tussle in Texas on April 28 1990 
Well, uh, Hulk Hogan beat Kurt Henning. All right. Now, this was a great run. Hulk Hogan was fighting him. This was when the genius was in his corner. And this was when Mr. Perfect wanted that title so bad. And he would, like, take his gum and put it on the title. (laughs) (laughs) This was a great run. And, And the two of them had some really good matches together. Even the genius had some really good matches with Hogan during this time just because it was such a good feud. Yeah, yeah, and and Kurt was great. I mean, he was one of those guys that you put him in the ring with somebody and he was going to get a good match out of him. We also had an Earthquake versus Hillbilly Jim match. God, that had to be awful. (laughs) I mean, both of those guys were good at what they could do, but together that's a a deadly combination. Now, am I misremembering, but Earthquake was, I guess he was a heel at some point? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah, he was a big heel. I guess um, maybe I'm thinking when Let me remind you of when Earthquake came out of the crowd. There was this is how he first started. They they he was the mountain man they found in the crowd. There was a a push up competition between Dino Bravo and the Ultimate Warrior, and they said we're going to get a big guy out of the crowd to sit on both of their backs while they do the push up. So he sat with his feet planted on the back of Dino Bravo. But then when Ultimate Warrior went to do it, he slammed down upon him. Uh, mm-hmm. getting some, that's a good way to get some heat. Yes. So that's how, that's how he debuted. Uh-huh. Now, so, I guess when he tagged with Tugboat, they were, they were good guys or Typhoon or whatever name he went well, by. It depends on which time you see yeah. when they, when they tagged, they, it was Tugboat became Typhoon. They were the natural disasters. No, they were not. Good. Oh, that's, that's a heel but, name. Yeah. Right. And Tugboat was a good guy before that. That's why he became Typhoon to be the heel. <laughs> To, I know it's hard to take them seriously as heels, but they were trying very hard to be heels at this time. Yeah, and Earthquake actually went on to be in the the oddities, right? Was he? Was he? Uh, it was Golga. Golga, yes. Yeah, he he actually, from what I understand, I never interacted with him in any way, mm-hmm. but he he was apparently an incredibly nice guy to his fans, and for a long time over on the WrestleCrap message boards, which don't really exist anymore, he had his own, uh, you know, like section, his own part of the forum where he would answer anybody's questions, chat with people about whatever they wanted. And then he got cancer and he apparently was more active on the web after, you know, he, when he was dealing with cancer and yeah. then unfortunately he, he lost, you know, his battle to cancer, but apparently it was a very nice guy. John Tenta. Yeah. You remember when you first heard that name? Cause I could tell you exactly when I first heard it. <laughs> oh, I can. It was uh, on an episode of WCW uh, Monday Nitro. It's so memorable. Tell, this tell is me when- the speech. Yeah, this is when he came out and he said, um, I'm a man. I'm, I'm not a fish. Shark. I'm not a shark. I'm not I'm a John Tenta. <laughs> I'm John Tenta. And I remember as he said, I'm like, you're like, John, what? Tenta? I mean, it's just one of those names you had never heard before. So it really seemed odd. Yeah. And that was, I guess, a period where it was really, really difficult to trans- trans- uh, transition somebody to another federation and not bring their name. Yeah, uh, it seems like you know uh, once Hall and Nash did it, it, it became a lot easier to do. But I guess you know the thinking was we can't bring John Tenta over here and not reference that he's not the shark or 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 did he come over to WCW with a gimmick? I think well he was a shark for a while. I think <laughs> yes, okay. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't a fish. And then he got well in a classic WCW gimmick. He got frustrated with his gimmick, much like Dustin Runnels did as well. 
Right. That means, and almost cut the same promo. They were classic for that. And then, and, and if you remember, Typhoon was the very famous, uh, the, the gimmick where he had the helmet and he walked through the, the wall. Oh, he was the Shockmaster. And he did another one of those where afterwards the Shockmaster became kind of a clown because he would always fall down. Yeah. And there was no way to save it at that point. Oh, no. man, this is a good time. So the tussle in Texas also had the Big Boss Man versus Hakeem, and uh, that, that match ended in a DQ with Big Boss Man going over, as well as Ultimate Warrior, you know, defeating Haku, you know, for the WWF title. So very exciting, very exciting Saturday's main event. The next one was entitled Wild Kingdom, which was a few months later. Saturday night's main event were great because you would wait for them because they, they were like a pay-per-view at that time because they only came along about every three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This and one I- had Ultimate Warrior again with the title, beating Rick Rude by DQ. Uh, Hulk Hogan not on this card in mm-hmm. uh, in in the the fall of or the end of summer of 1990. Hulk Hogan wasn't there to wasn't there to compete. Getting ready for his big Gremlins two, <laughs> maybe sitting high on the Gremlins two cash as it just raked in the money at the box office. Yeah. Few years later, 1996, August 25th to be exact. Hulk Hogan again appeared in the movie Spy Hard. Now, did you see this movie in theaters? I do not think I saw Spy Hard in the theaters. All right. Well, I, I got to tell you, I did see this in the theater. I was a big fan of Leslie Nielsen's parody comedies. I thought they were very funny. And I was a big, I'm a big Mr. T fan. And so when you go see Spy Hard, one of the first scenes in the movie, you know, the character, um, what was his name? Uh, Dick Steele which mm-hmm. is the character that Leslie Nielsen plays is in a helicopter and you see the pilot is Mr. T. Oh, awesome. and then shortly after due to something that, uh, uh, Dick Steele does the, the helicopter crashes, spins out of control and crashes. So I was excited. And then I was like, Oh, he's not going to be in the movie anymore. But then we get a Hulk Hogan cameo in this movie. So before we get to the Hulk Hogan cameo, here's the plot. General Rancor, who was played by uh, Andy Griffin, which is <laughs> tremendous to see him play a villain is threatening to destroy the world with a missile. He's hiding in a secret base, but to complete his goal, he needs a computer chip that was invented by a special scientist named Pres- Professor Ukrinsky. Special Agent Dick Steele, played by Leslie Nielsen, is assigned to the case and is there to prevent the worst from happening. He teams up with the scientist and the scientist's lovely daughter, who also happens to be a KGB agent, and hilarity ensues. Yeah, it sounds like more plot than that movie needs. It it really it feels like uh, when you watch it, that it has none of this plot. Uh, but there's a big scene where Andy Griffith's character is fighting against Leslie Nielsen's character. And that brings us to the scene with Hulk Hogan. If you go to YouTube, it's titled Agent Zero Zero. So look that up. Uh, if you Google into the, you know, put into the YouTube box, Hulk Hogan and Spy Hard, you might find it as well. But this is the title of the clip. Uh, it's by somebody named Chanich. And it's 34 seconds long. So if you're ready to go, Craig, we'll watch it right now. All right. (laughs) 
kindisch. Meine Einschätzung nach verfügt sie über Okay. <laughs> There you have it. So, uh, not a lot you can take from the audio of that. Uh, I'm sure you have no idea what was going on if you haven't watched the clip yet. But basically, here's what happened. Leslie Nielsen's fighting against the thug. He gets a little tired, so he reaches out and tags in Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and Hulk Hogan, in the WCW Red and Yellow, fights against the thug until he can take no more. And then he tags in Dr. Joyce Brothers, who is also wearing Hulkamania gear. Why not? <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty potent combination. This is a good movie. I like that kind of a movie where, you know, they're just throwing a lot of really stupid things up at the screen. And I mean, sure, you're not going to laugh out loud necessarily at that. You might even groan at it, but you're going to enjoy it. And if you get enough of those in a row, you're going to have a good time. Oh yeah, yeah, and and was that uh, was Spyhard one of the um, were the airplane guys involved in that one? I don't think they were. This was yeah. done for Disney, so I, okay. I don't think they were. I think this was uh, later, and I, I don't think they were involved. But it's definitely that same type of movie. Yeah, that scene definitely had that kind of airplane feel to it. So 1996, over in the WWE, there was an In Your House that was that also had a wacky title, which is called Good Friends, Better Enemies. Yeah. at the Civic Auditorium in Omaha, Nebraska on April 28th, 1996. And it looks like it was a pretty bad card in terms of <laughs> the finishes, at least. Yeah, I mean, you, you do have uh, you do have the, the main event, I think, sent everybody home happy. It was for the WWF title, no holds barred match. Shawn Michaels beat Diesel, which, you know, was that was those were always good matches. And on the other card, you do have uh Vader beating up Razor Ramon, which was which was probably a lot of fun. But yeah, most of the matches on this card, you've got Mark Marrow against the one two three kid with a DQ finish. Yeah, God, um, you got Owen Hart and Davy Boy Smith, which in retrospect sounds like a great tag team. It wasn't at the time. Yeah, fighting against Ahmed Johnson and Jake Roberts, which is yeah. a tag team that I can't imagine was a good idea at any point in time. And then you've got an Ultimate Warrior match, which ended in a countout. Ultimate yeah, I mean, Warrior versus Goldust. I don't know when that ever happened. Where Ultimate Warrior won a match by countout—that just yeah. sounds crazy to me. Were, were they trying to protect Goldust for some reason? Well, Goldust was IC champ, and I guess the Warrior—you know—they probably didn't want him to take the title and go home. You know. Oh yeah, okay. So they probably didn't want him to win it, but oh my goodness! Uh, meanwhile, Hulk Hogan was wrestling over in WCW at this time, and WCW had a slamboree in May nineteenth of nineteen ninety-six from the Riverside Complex in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah, and uh, every non-title match at this event was a lethal lottery match. Did you watch this? <laughs> I didn't see this card ever. I I will say that there was a period where me and my brother were watching a lot of WCW and. This was we would get time, right? every, we, yeah, we would get every pay per view. So there's a good chance that 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 I watched this. Oh man, the the American males, Marcus Bagwell and Scotty Riggs against the Shark, who we okay. talked about earlier, and Max with two X's with Jimmy Hart in their corner. And how long does that match go? Two minutes and thirty nine seconds. But WCW had a pretty solid card here. I mean, this is a card that has DDP on it. You've got, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who had a really good career at that time over there, tagging with VK Wall Street, who was actually Mike Rotunda. 
And you actually have a VK Wall Street story, don't you? I do. I met Mike Rotunda, and I actually met Jim Duggan probably this year. It was probably 1996 at um, the WCW show that they did. At, at the time, it was Disney MGM Studios. Now it's Disney Hollywood Studios at the Walt Disney World Complex in Florida. And what they would do is WCW would do their live show from there once, you know, once a week. You know, they probably recorded it once a month and, you know, it split it up into three shows. But in order to have the space, they had to put on wrestling exhibitions every day you know, three or four a day for the, you know, for the kids that would come in. And so you'd get some really crazy matches. It was the highlight of my Disney vacation back then. <laughs> and afterwards, all the wrestlers would stand there and you could line up and get their autographs. And so I remember I went there and I got an autograph from Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And he signed it, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And then I went over to Mike Rotunda and um, I noticed that he was signing VK Wall Street on everything. And so I said to him, I said, can you sign Mike Rotunda? And he stops, he looks at me and he goes, I really can't. <laughs> With this like almost totally amused, you know, look. And, and I said, oh, okay. And he says, sorry. And I said, no, it's fine. So he wrote VK Wall Street on my MGM guide map. And so I still have it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So yeah, he was, he was, he was, you could tell embarrassed that he had to sign VK Wall Street, but <laughs> apparently contractually obligated to do so. I was hoping maybe he could put VK Mike Rotundo Wall Street. You know, the VK was a play on Vince McMahon, people thought. They thought that it was Vincent K. Yeah. Vince McMahon. Uh, this card also had Ric Flair and Randy Savage with Woman and Elizabeth in the corners against Arn Anderson and Eddie Guerrero. Oh, wow. Right? Doesn't that sound like an awesome match? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say I, I, th this was one of those pay-per-views that we did not get. Oh, man, you missed out. Although it was only a four-minute and four-second match. I don't know how you even get everybody in the ring for that. Yeah, it doesn't look like – it looks like the longest match on this card was Rick Steiner and the Booty Man with the Booty Babe <laughs> defeating Sergeant Craig Pittman and Scott Steiner. And that ma match went eight minutes and 21 seconds. Yeah. Um, in 1996, Hulk Hogan continued to have a feud with The Giant, which was the big show at the time. And uh, then he teamed with Randy Savage in a feud – with the alliance to end Hulkamania. This was a bunch of guys that just wanted to get rid of Hulkamania. And then he came out victorious from this, and he started to rarely appear on WCW television. You'd only see him once in a while. And then on July 7th, at Bash at the Beach, Hulk Hogan joined the NWO. So this appearance in theaters was one of the last times that the general non-wrestling fan population saw hulk hogan before he went nwo yeah yeah it's shocking moment oh my goodness do you remember watching that that one i i actually saw that pay-per-view after it happened and couldn't believe it even though i already knew what was going to happen yeah yeah it was definitely one of those moments where it was in it was it was still when people joining the nwo was effective <laughs> it got it, it became parody at, at a point but this was a guy who for the bulk of his his career was as baby face as baby face could be yeah and and he turned his back on the fans he turned <laughs> his back on wcw and he aligned himself with the two most detested guys in wcw it was a great moment 
Do you remember how they did this? They had um, uh, Bobby Heenan and and Tony Schiavone on commentary, and mm-hmm. and up until this point, Bobby was like, "Oh, Schiavone, you're an idiot. I root for all the heels." And Schiavone <laughs> was like, "No, I only root for baby faces." But around this time, they were like, "Oh my God, Hall and Nash are so bad that yeah. even even Bobby Heenan had to cheer against them." You know, so yeah, it would be yeah. the NWO, you know, was 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 it? You know, they couldn't even Bobby couldn't cheer for him. And so Bobby goes nuts when Hogan comes out. He's like, yes, finally, <laughs> I've never wanted to root for this man. And, you know, and Shivani's like, oh, we're saved. And yeah. then after he hits him, they're like, he must have done that by accident. And yes. you know, they, they do the whole we're in disbelief. They're like, I, I can't. Does he know what he's doing? Is what happened to Hogan? Why would he do this? And they both just freak out. I mean, fantastic, fantastic moment of wrestling history. Yeah, and it really it, it it put WCW on a path where they would be some real competition for WWF oh, yeah. for the next couple of years. But oh, yeah. when they crashed and burned, boy, did they crash and burn! <laughs> they but at that moment, every piece of garbage in the crowd was thrown into the ring. Which I've always thought, like when I see the wrestlers stand there and take that. I just always think, I don't know what you're throwing. I don't know that that's a beer that's in that cup. I Mm -hmm. don't know what happened. I don't want anything to do with it. I remember Honky Tonk Man once getting hit in the head with an ice cream bar and then just (laughs) wiping it into his greasy ducktail. And just being like, man, I don't know if you could pay me enough to, to throw an ice cream bar into my hair. Yeah, oof. 1999, Hulk Hogan made his last of the cameo appearances we'll be covering, and this was on July 18th, 1999, Muppets from Space. I saw this in the theater with you. Yes. I'm a big Muppet fan, and I I remember saying to you, do you want to go see this? And and you agreed, and we went outside. I remember laughing a lot at some of the gags. There's a gag where I think like, uh, well, it's, it's Fozzie. And I'm going to say Miss Piggy and Kermit and Pepe the Prawn. And they say, oh, well, we'll stand on each other's shoulders. And they choose to have Kermit and Pepe on the top. So you get this little tiny head with, a with you know, they, they put a coat on. And so it's like a human-sized body with this Kermit the Frog head and Pepe the Prawn head. And they kind of do this, oh, we're just doctors, just a couple of doctors, just doctors <laughs> yeah. here. Just a, a lot of gags in this movie that hit, a lot that don't. I mean, it's yeah. not one of the greatest of all time, but really, really a fun movie. And it revolves around Gonzo. Yes, yes. Gonzo. And this was actually a movie that I liked so much that I, it's one of the few movies that I actually went to the IMDb and wrote a review. Ooh, do you have the review you wrote on it? Let me pull it up. I want you to pull that up. We're going to, we'll, we'll keep talking about it. But at the end of the show, I want to, I want to get to that. So Gonzo's contacted through his breakfast cereal. He's reading, he's eating a box of, of, uh, Captain Alphabet and the, the word spells out, are you there? And then he finds out, you know, that there's messages everywhere and they're looking for him. And Gonzo's an alien from outer space. So his family comes down to Earth and they, they go to take him to outer space. But Gonzo doesn't want to go. He wants to stay on Earth with his with his Muppet friends and everybody else on Earth. He's grown to love. But very, very wacky movie. And at one point during it, there's a torture scene where in order to bring out a big thug, they bring out Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And that is the scene which we're going to watch now. 
If you got your YouTube open, what you want to search for is Hollywood Hogan Muppets from Space. It's a terrible video that somebody did shooting a camera at their TV screen, but it's it's what we got. So you ready to watch this, Craig? Yes, sir. All right. So we're going to watch this. It's a 56-second video. The person who posted it is Zubra. I wonder if that's like those pants. Remember the Zubaz pants? Yes. Zubuza. Zubuza. 2006. And so let's go ahead and watch this. It's wrestling legend Hollywood Hulk Hogan? Have the rat sent down to Dr. Tucker for some tests. Tests? But I have a study. I don't even have a number two pencil. This is for all my NWIs out there. I will continue to dominate wrestling. I will continue to make your back crack, your knees freeze, and your liver quiver. I will continue to put so much pain on you, you'll become my paniac. Hollywood, Hollywood, would you, would you mind? Correct. Oh, yeah. Hey, where are you going with my friend? Hollywood, what are your fans going to think? Hey, what you going to do? I'm a bad guy. How weird is that? It's it seems like that scene only existed to put Hogan over as a bad guy. It, it you know to move the NWO storyline uh, along. Yeah. It's crazy. So uh, Hulk Hogan shows up. He plays according to the script a man in black because this is the government you know agency that's che- checking into the aliens. And Hogan shows up in a suit, you know, looking very much like Tommy Lee Jones, except for he's got his big giant mustache, his his black bandana, and his ridiculous fake beard that he used to wear at this time. <laughs> I still remember the first time I saw him with a fake beard, I said, oh my God, Hulk Hogan's a bad guy, and he's pretending to have a beard. <laughs> I mean, really, really odd. So he shows up, and he tortures Rizzo the Rat, and he tells us he's a bad guy now. He's and up. he actually quotes the NWO. He says NWO by name, which is, if any Hulk Hogan clip dates a movie, it's this one. Oh, my God. How about the fact that that, you know, making your knees quiver and your, your liver quiver and your knees, that's Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, yeah. He's stealing they, from the master. Yes. I mean, that is totally a Dusty quote. I don't, I can't imagine, I guess that existed before Dusty, but my goodness, that to me sounds like Dusty or Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, or maybe even Billy Graham. Oh my God. Well, that's a guy Hulk Hogan's taken a lot from over the, over the years. <laughs> uh, so it turns out that the only review I've, I've written for the IMDb is the Muppets from Space review. My goodness. I can't wait to hear this. Please lay this on us. All right. Uh, July 24th, 1999, uh, author Craig Cohen from Central New Jersey wrote, The Muppet films have always been great family entertainment, and with the release of the latest feature, that trend continues. Gonzo, the long-misunderstood member of the Muppet gang, is the focus of this film, which opens with a wonderful dream sequence where we learn that Gonzo is troubled by his apparent outsider status. It seems that he has never met anyone like him, and that troubles him. Then Gonzo starts receiving strange messages from outer space. Can it be? Is Gonzo an alien? And if so, what will the government do when they find this out? All of the regular characters are here. Kermit, Miss Piggy, Animal, Fozzie Bear, as well as Rizzo the Rat and Pepe, who really stole the show. This movie was quite funny and had a ton of jokes for the kids, as well as some stuff that older viewers will appreciate. 
Of course, in the end, Gonzo discovers the truth about himself and is forced to decide if he should go live with his own kind or stay with the group that he has been with all along. All in all, this was another great installment in the Muppets saga, and as always, it is appropriate for the whole family. There you go. That's not a bad review. I don't know why you didn't keep up your IMDb reviewing account. I know. I should have. Uh, what could have been i remember back then that the big thing was the first review of a movie got to be on the front page and so i would go and find every movie i could that had no review and just put up a review and if it if it got it had to get accepted so you couldn't just write nonsense but if you wrote something halfway decent they'd accept it and then it would be up there forever and every time anybody saw that review your name would be right there yeah and I loved it. I wrote reviews for all kinds of movies that I had barely seen or only vaguely remembered. Great, great time. 1999. So that was July 18th. A few days before that bash at the beach, 1999 took place at the National Car Rental Center in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. What a horrible name for an arena. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you really just feel like you'd return your car there. I can guarantee you that Fort Lauderdale is a big travel area. There have been people that went into their GPS and typed national car rental and got this arena. And then they drove there and they're like, what happened? What is this? Where can I get a car? Yeah, yeah. I wonder wonder what arena this is now. You don't think it still is? I'm going to bet it still is. I'm going to click on it right here and I'll see. But I'm... Oh, no, it's not. It is now the Bank Atlanta Center. Of course. It, it wow. has had, it has <laughs> and had it's in Fort Lauderdale with Atlanta in the name. Yeah. No, no. Bank, Bank Atlantic. I'm sorry. Oh, Atlantic. Bank okay. Atlantic Center. Uh-huh. The center of it all. Um, it has also been known as the Broward County Civic Arena, the National Car Rental Center, and the Office Depot Center. I got to say the Broward County Center is... The best that, name there. No, but you see, you know what that is? That's the name it probably had before they could get some money. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like all the other names. That was, And that may even be the one that they go to whenever, like, the contract expires. They're like, we're going to call Broward County again if you don't get us a new sponsor. Yeah. And you know that all the locals probably still call it that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of like They're not paying have... me to say that. They're <laughs> we not have paying it... me to say National Call Rental Center. In New Jersey, we've got the IZOD Center. And, I mean, it's it's the Meadowlands. Yeah, yeah. You don't say the IZOD Center generally. You say, I'm going to the Meadowlands. Mm -hmm. Or the Brendan Byrne Arena. Brendan Byrne Arena. (laughs) Uh, It's the funniest thing is for years I always thought that Brendan Byrne must have had some scandal because he was a politician from New Jersey, and that's pretty pretty much what they all have. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> is some horrible scandal. So I was always like, I wonder what he did. And then one day I looked him up. I was like, he didn't do anything. Lived a nice, clean life. And then eventually yeah. they decided they needed some money. Yep. <laughs> it really is a, a terrible trend. And uh, it, it it really it dates events, which I guess is good if you're trying to remember when something happened. It's going, it's going further, though. I'm telling you. You got in soccer already. There's teams like the Red Bulls. But yeah. There's one day where you're not going to have the New York Yankees. You're going to have the New York, you know, spam Yankees, you yeah. know, DuPont, you know, manufacturing team. Yeah, that's too much. So this let's go through this entire card real quick. Dark match. No, I want to. Uh, we had uh, CJ Afi and Jeremy Lopez. You know, either of them? No. Versus Jamie Howard. And it says this. I can't believe it. But Jet Jaguar. <laughs> 
I'm Why guessing. not? Nobody's going to come after him for the uh, for the trademark. Oh God, Ernest Miller with Sony Ono defeated Disco Inferno. That must now that was probably a fun match. Ernest Miller is always fun, and it ended with with uh, Miller uh, hitting Disco with his shoe. Yeah, yeah, that's how the match ended. <laughs> Uh, we got Rick Steiner versus Van uh, Van Hammer, and Rick Steiner came out on top for the TV title. Um, we had uh, what 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 else do we have here? David Flair, yeah, David is, Flair making his his brief run in WCW uh, and showing that talent either skips a generation <laughs> or he got all of his mom's talent. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the case. He defeated Dean Malenko in three <laughs> minutes. To now, retain Rick, the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. And granted, Ric Flair interfered, but still, Dean Malenko had to lay down for David Flair. Yeah. Which is uh, probably something that Ric Flair didn't even want to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Rick's like, he's like, do we have to do this? And they're like, yeah, you got to do that, Rick. And he's like, oh. And his son's like, really? <laughs> Uh, we had the No Limit Soldiers versus the Texas Rednecks, and God, I remember this run. This was the No Limit Soldiers. This was Master P's group, right? Yes. And then the Texas Rednecks was Kurt Hedding, uh, Bobby Duncan Jr., Barry Windham, Kendall Windham. This was just nonsense, and this was like an elimination match. Yeah, and you also had Conan on the in the No Limit Soldiers who. <laughs> One of my favorite things about watching a Conan match was you would swear that you were watching the match in slow motion. The man moved at half speed. He did some impressive moves, but he did them at half speed. Yes. And you had Rey Mysterio Jr. back probably when he wasn't wearing a mask. Yeah, there was that that period of time where he, he, he had lost his mask in a match and he wrestled for a while, which was funny because I remember when they first started doing Tough Enough and Rey Mysterio was a special guest on that episode and he... He off camera, he took his mask off and, and uh, Al Snow or, or one of the trainers said, this is a, a big honor that he's giving you right here, showing you his face without his mask. And I'm sitting at home saying, well, <laughs> I oh. guess none of these people watch WCW. Yeah. Exactly. I, I remember the WWE put out a DVD. I think it's called 619. And they show him at the doctors and they keep showing him from the back. And I'm like, it's Ray. We know what Ray looks like. Ray used <laughs> to wrestle with no freaking mask. We know what he looks like. Yeah. Um, Fit Finlay won a junkyard invitational. This was some kind of battle royal, and I'm not naming everybody in it. Uh, the Jersey Triad. Do you remember that? Diamond Dallas Page, Chris Canyon, and Bam Bam Bigelow. I can't imagine this lasted for too long because I don't recall this at all. I don't, but it sounds awesome. Yes, and they beat Perry Saturn and Chris Benoit. So I don't know how three guys, I don't know. Maybe they had, did they have like, uh, uh, what were they? What was the team? Freebird rules. Freebird rule. Maybe they had the freebird rule. Um, Buff Bagwell defeated Rowdy Roddy Piper, who was really lousy at this time. Yeah, but that's still disgraceful. Yeah, but yeah, I know. But geez, Piper was so bad at this. Was the time where he was, oh, and crap is rap, and Mean Gene's like, you mean rap is crap? He's like, either way. Yeah, and does this it was matter? When, when Roddy was also coming out to the ring with a, a, a notebook. Yes, he, and he would just read off the notebook because he he either didn't have the ability anymore to remember his promos or just didn't care enough to. Yes, he'd be like, "I've been hit so many times," and then he'd read his notebook. Uh, the main event: you had Randy Savage and Sid Vicious fighting against Nash and Sting. 
Who cares? Uh, over on WWF, we had an interesting fully loaded card. I can't say it's too much better. I mean, you had some uh, Sunday Night Heat matches. Val Venus versus Joey Abs. Godfather and- versus Meat. <laughs> Christian versus Viscera. I loved Sunday Night Heat before a pay-per-view. It was great. It was really nice because you would sit back and you would decide whether you wanted to pay money to see more of this. Exactly. And they'd hit you with a great hour of programming. And if you work it in the pay-per-view, you at least got some really good feel of it. I know they're bringing back, now they do those YouTube pre-shows, yeah. which probably has the same feel. Uh, I've seen a couple of them. But, I mean, I love this because it was a whole show. Oh, yeah. And you'd get a beefaroni commercial with The Rock. Yeah, and you'd get your build up to the pay per view. It was it was really really great, and I'm I'm really surprised that that they don't do this anymore because it seemed like a really successful model. Yeah, yep. Uh, IC Championship match: Jeff Jarrett versus Edge. Probably a very good match. You had the Acolytes versus um, the Hardy Boys. That was probably not too bad. I mean, those are two teams that are both great. I don't know how well they work together. Yeah, two very different styles. D'Lo Brown versus Midian, Big Boss Man versus Al Snow. This is the era we're talking about. Big yeah. Show against Kane, Ken Shamrock, Steve Blackman, D-Generation X. And then we've got the, the two main events, really cool main events. Uh, Triple H defeating The Rock in a fully loaded strap match for the number one contender spot for SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. And Stone Cold defeating The Undertaker in a first blood match for the WWF Championship. And if Austin lost... He would have never had another shot at the championship. But if Undertaker lost, Vince McMahon could no longer appear on WWF TV. And as you know, we haven't Vince seen McMahon, him since. Yeah, hasn't been on since 1999. <laughs> so they they held to that stipulation. Because right. stipulations of wrestling matter. Right, right, exactly. All right, let's run through these again real quick. The first one we saw was the Gremlins one, where Hogan interrupted. Well, the Gremlins interrupted the film first, and Hogan then scared them made them shake in their boots, and then made them start the movie back up. We had Spy Hard, where Hulk Hogan is tagged in by Leslie Nielsen and fights against some thugs before tagging out to uh, Dr. Joyce Brothers. Mm -hmm. And then we had uh, the final one was Muppets from Space, where Hogan in the NWO, you know, beats up Rizzer the Rat and puts him in a trash can. In the presence of Jeffrey Tambor. Yes, great little Jeffrey Tambor performance. And that was just on the cusp of him being a a pretty well-known character actor. He had been around forever. I mean, he was on like the Ropers. Remember the TV series based on the characters from Three's Company? Yeah, yeah. And they they pulled the the Ropers from Three's Company kicking and screaming. <laughs> so uh, yeah, because they wanted uh, not to get on a whole Roper rant here, <laughs> but they wanted to then come back. And the deal was that like if the the Roper's show lasted, I think uh, I'll say it was a season. If mm-hmm. it lasted more than a season, then they uh, they they didn't get to come back. But if it lasted less than a season, they would be welcomed back on on a regular basis. And yeah. so Don Knotts came on and did so well that they kept that show afloat despite the fact that it was not doing well. And yeah. they kept it afloat for just over a season <laughs> yep. so that the two of them had to hit the unemployment line when it ended. Yeah, the fix was in. Which one of these three is your favorite? I would say from a, just a Hulk Hogan cameo perspective, mm-hmm. I got to go spy hard. Really? That's an yeah. interesting choice. Why? What do you like best about it? It made me laugh the most. 
I hear that. It is out of nowhere. It's kind of a surprise, you know. Yeah, and it actually feels like it it, it feels like it's part of the movie as well. It was a moment that it, it happens and sure it might take you out for a second, but well, it's a it, it, it's it's a punchline of a joke or it's the start of a joke and it sort of just happens and then you know goes on its way I where the other two I, sort of just feel like here's hulk hogan and there he goes yeah it, 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 you are right and this is the type of movie where you can't be taken out of it you know spy hard is not a movie where you get wrapped <laughs> up in the plot yeah. but it also i i do hear what you're saying because the other two totally are announced cameos look at him there he is you know mm-hmm. and and all three of these, you could easily cut them from the movie and no one would ever know. Yeah. Um, but I, I do agree with your reasoning, but I'm going with Gremlins 2. I really, really liked seeing this in the theater and perhaps the mythical fact that I couldn't see it from theater to DVD. Sure. I couldn't see it again. And I went on message boards and said, hey, if anybody has a copy of this. And then I heard that HBO ran that version. So yeah. I went and said, oh, my God, I got to get HBO. Uh-huh. I ordered HBO, and they never ran Gremlins 2 at all. So I never got to see it. Uh, I like it. I like that scene the best. I think the promo is funny. I think Paul Bartel's cameo is fantastic. His yeah. facial expressions are awesome. And I just love the fact that Hogan rips his shirt off and then sits <laughs> back down to enjoy his movie with no shirt. God, what was on the back of that seat? Yeah, I just find that like just unspeakably odd that not only would he go out in his wrestling gear, and we don't know because of the way the camera is, but I'm assuming he just had trunks on and boots. Yeah. But then by the end of the movie, Hulk Hogan's leaving. He's got no shirt on. He (laughs) tore that shirt off. Now, do we know what theater that was filmed at? I don't know. I'd love to find out. It looks to me, though, when I look at it like it's an on-lot theater, like it's one that, you know, they do screenings at, at, yeah. you know, Universal or Paramount. <laughs> I've heard that when when Paul uh, Joe Dante wanted to put this into the film, mm-hmm. that he, he asked the studio and showed him the clip and they said, oh, no, people will get confused. And so, and, you know, I'm sure he was thinking, no, they, we even cut to Paul Bartell in the back and who's going to get confused. Yeah. And so they showed it to test audiences who rated it, you know, as one of the funniest parts of the movie. So that's how he was able to keep it in. That's great. And all I can really think about now is how many people went to screenings in that theater and sat in Hulk Hogan's seat and don't even realize it. Oh my God. The seat with Hulk Hogan's sweat all over it. <laughs> totally true. Well, there you have it. That's three films. All of them featured a little sliver of Hulk Hogan. I hope you enjoyed them. Craig Cohen, thanks for joining me for this one. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. And we will see you next time where we take on the luchador film, Mystery in Bermuda, starring Blue Demon, El Santo, and Mil Mascaris, here on Camel Clutch Cinema. It's wrestling legend Hollywood Hulk Hogan. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crap. Okay, you guys, listen up. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. This is for all my NWIs out there. I will continue to dominate wrestling. I will continue to make your back crack, your knees freeze, and your liver quiver. I will continue to put so much pain on you, you'll become my paniac. Howard Patrols is John Triton. 
Do you think the Grimsters can stand up to the Hulkster? Well, if I were you, I'd run the rest of Gremlins too, right now. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. Hollywood, what are you fans going to think? Hey, what you going to do? I'm a bad guy. No more rhymes now, I mean it. Anybody want to feel it? And the Gremlins have put on a bathing beauty short from the 1950s. They... They're way into watching the half-naked beauties jump in and out of the swimming pool. Are you there, Craig? Yes, I am. Okay, no reaction? I just didn't have anything to say. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, folks. It won't happen again. Down goes Jimmy King! Oh, my God, a four-post massacre! No one can survive this! This isn't even a pay-per-view! 